Welcome back, everyone, to Aspire, the Leadership Development Podcast, where we will be discussing the visions, inspirations, and experiences from top educational leaders. My name is Joshua Stamper, and you can connect with me on Twitter or on Instagram at Joshua double underscore Stamper. All right, Aspire listeners, I'm so excited for this episode because I get my good friend. He is a speaker, tech, intelligence specialist, Google Apps educator, edu everything really. He even puts nerd in his bio, which he is far from that. But my guest is the podcast host of the Edu Duct Tape podcast. He is also an author and we're going to speak about his new book today. Jake Miller, thank you so much for being on the podcast. Yeah, thanks for having me, Joshua. I'm excited to be back on the Aspire podcast. It's a little bit different from being in a in a hallway in Cuyahoga Falls, Ohio at Teach Better 19. Here we are in our respective man caves right now. We are, man. We, uh, we've got all our, our nerdum around us uh, with right. and sports memorabilia. Yep. Um, but man, yeah, it's, it doesn't seem that long ago that we were in the halls of Ohio, but then I started thinking of a pandemic and how long that feels, and it, it yeah. does start to feel like a really long time since we were face to face. Yeah, we're creeping up on two two years since that conference, which was a good time. Man, great times. It was great times. So I had the honor not only of meeting you, but for the first time, you introduced me to a crowd of people, and I was crazy honored because of all the people at this amazing conference. I had the Jake Miller introduce me. I felt like it needed to be flipped. So uh, it was a pleasure to be in the same hallway as we were doing the podcast row for the conference yeah. and getting to meet all these amazing folks. So I'm looking forward to the next Teach Better conference. And I know you're in Ohio, so if it's in Ohio, you you showing up? Of course, right. I can just have Jeff Gargas like pick me up on his way there or something. Well, if he doesn't, I will. Okay, thanks. I don't actually need a ride, but I'll just take it just to hang on the car. Sure. Well, congratulations is, is really what I want to say because you have a brilliant book out to the masses. I've seen those social media people are posting photos with your book all over the world. That's going to feel pretty special. Oh, yeah. It's been great. Like We, we were just talking the, the experience of you know, writing the book and editing the book and getting the book ready to go and everything just took so long. And it was just like, there were days when I was like, maybe we just need to not do this anymore. <laughs> like I never really meant it, but there were times where I'm just like, I just want to be done with this for a while. But then when it came out and seeing people react and seeing people post pictures of it and people supporting it and running out and buying it site, you know, essentially sight unseen the way a book is on Amazon just to support me and, and trusting the work that I do has just meant so much to me. And now I'm getting to see it the, this morning. Uh, my friend, uh, Manny Curiel from down in uh, Houston, Houston, Texas posted a picture of the book sitting poolside at uh, a Walt Disney World resort. And I'm like, the book gets to go to cooler places than I go. But it's been <laughs> it's been really cool to see all this stuff and just see the support of people. I've really appreciated it. Yeah. Educational duct tape. I know you have the podcast. And now you got the book. Mm -hmm. Is it a relationship thing? Do you have pieces in the book that get people to the resource of, of your amazing podcast? Uh, so they, they kind of are parallel in format and the podcast was not 100% for this purpose, but part of my, you know, I, I'd like to think about my why for everything I'm doing. What are my goals right now? And why am I doing this? And it helps me identify, you know, what steps I want to take. And also if, if it's a meaningful action to take. And so when I started the podcast and I thought about why I would do it, one of the reasons that I was considering was to prepare for writing a book because I, I, this was something I've wanted to do for a long time. 
And I felt like I needed to number one, hone my ideas and, and what I wanted to say, but number two, also see what resonated before I got to that point. So the podcast really was part of the pre-writing process, a very long pre-writing process <laughs> by recording all those episodes and seeing what, what resonated to listeners and things like that. It really helped me go, all right, this is what, you know, could make a meaningful book for people out there. You know, so the podcast has, has two main parts to it. Each episode, each regular episode, at least I do what I call a soapbox moment, which is me solo on the microphone sharing maybe a story or an anecdote or a quote uh, that I believe is meaningful and motivational and inspiring for educators that are feeling overwhelmed by educational technology. So that's half of the book. Mm -hmm. And the other half of the book is the kind of thing that I always do with guests on the show, which is the guest comes on and I pose a question that an educator might have. How can I formatively assess my students? How can I get deeper assessment data from my students? How can I create um, asynchronous lessons for my students? Whatever the question might be. And then the guests and I talk about uh, some technologies to do that. And so that's what I do, you know, except I'm flying solo in the book. I don't have that guest to lean on now. I just do it by myself. But by doing the podcast for all those years, I was able to go like, this is what, this is what worked, right? This is what people responded well to. And these are the kinds of res resources that benefited them in their classrooms. And then just had to turn it into book form. I, I shouldn't preface that with the word just because it took a long time. <laughs> no. Well, and it's, it's a huge resource too. You know, mm. you hit a lot of different topics in the, not only in the educational space, but the technology too. And I th think that's what is always drawn me to your podcast. Like if I, if I have an educational question or I'm searching mm. for something or maybe a staff member, I'm always pushing them to your podcast because mm. you hit the why piece, but then you also have like very tangible, actionable steps. Right. That's not overwhelming. And I think that's the big piece is, is that something that you were keeping in mind as you were doing the podcast before you wrote I, the book? I kind of learned that trial by fire, essentially as a tech coach myself, I'm currently in the classroom as an eighth grade science teacher, but I spent five years uh, recently as a technology integration specialist, or I called it a tech coach for short. Mm -hmm. And I learned what was working and what wasn't working with the teachers that I worked with. I learned that when I sent out an email to them that had 10 different resources, I was suggesting that that email sometimes didn't get opened, worse yet read, worse yet implemented. And so I learned that I needed to, that less is more, especially when that less is goal focused. So I learned that I, we need to start with what is it the teacher's trying to achieve first and second what are some parameters they have for that? And then helping them select a technology or a few technologies that are going to work for them. And I, I talk about this regularly on, on the podcast, as well as in the book, it's that idea of the paradox of choice, mm -hmm. uh, which is the, the idea that when we have too many things to choose from, we, we're not, we're not liberated as Barry Schwartz, the psychologist says, we're not liberated by all those choices. We're overwhelmed. We're paralyzed by all those choices. So I had to be really mindful both on the podcast and in the book to, to set up a, a, a small enough set of tools to choose from yet a large enough set that gave them some freedom of choice. Like we, we love, for example, a food court in the mall, right? You love that because you can go like, Oh, I could have a pizza or I could have a burger or I could have um, I could have Chinese food or I could have a burrito, right? I've got four or five choices and I could choose between these. Cause I know what I'm in the mood for. But if we're somewhere in a big city and there's hundreds of restaurants, we're overwhelmed, overwhelmed by the choices. So that's what I try to do on the podcast, uh, as well as in the book, is be that food court 
not that that downtown New York neighborhood with too many restaurants. <laughs> Although I wish I was in downtown New York right now, yeah, not no. the food court. I totally understand what you're saying because I think that's a, a very real thing. And I've seen it happen with, with teachers, especially over during the pandemic is mm. all of these different options and not knowing where to even start. So I know mm-hmm. in the book you have like the educational duct tape protocol. So what were some things that you broke down to, to help with that paralysis piece? So I, I, I talk a lot about, and it's kind of like, like the food court thing is, is narrowing down your choices, right? Anything that can narrow down the choices of your tech tools. And and a major focus that I go through in the book is identify your goal or your problem or your need first. And I tried to give a lot of the readers, a lot of permission to not have some of those goals. So for example, I I mentioned formative assessment earlier. There's a couple of different chapters where I touch on formative assessment. And I say, if formative assessment is not an issue you're having in your classroom right now, if you feel like you know your students' understanding of the things you're teaching and you don't need more data on their understanding, or at least it's not a major goal for you right now, maybe it's something to handle later, ignore this chapter, right? And so I, I try to put a lot of messages in that they don't have to do it all and they could prioritize things in order. And then that educational duct tape idea is that duct tape for example, is a tool. We use that tool to solve problems or meet goals. And the educational technology is the same way. We should not start off our school year or a lesson or something thinking today, I'm going to use Flipgrid. We should think today, I want to hear from all my students and then Flipgrid's the tool. Or today, I'm not sure if everybody understands this vocabulary we're going over. So quizzes is the tool today instead of Flipgrid. But we think about what is our goal first. And then if we do that, we can narrow down those choices. And I actually talk about not a food court. I don't know. I must be hungry right now, Joshua. But <laughs> I talk about when my wife asks me, where do you want to go out to dinner? And that's like the most overwhelming question to be asked, right? You're like, oh, because I like, what if I pick the wrong place, right? And she's not going to like what I pick. And I talk about how I, I go through the process of asking her a lot of questions. You know, are you in the mood for takeout? or do you want to sit on a patio? Do you want to like sit down and order? Do you want counter service? Are you in the mood for burgers? Do you want to drink with dinner? You know, go through a lot of questions and that helps me narrow down those choices and make it more manageable. And, and that idea of doing that is something I really try to hit on in the book because in the book, I give lots of different tools, but I want them to know you can't use all of these. What is it you're trying to do? And then I just want to be that resource for them to find that tool that they could use in that situation. Well, I think you are hungry because you're wearing a shirt that has tacos all over it. Now, I asked you if I should change my shirt before I record it, and then you call me out for my taco t-shirt. It's, it's actually it so much. <laughs> it's actually the shape of Ohio, except it's a taco, which Ohio would make a weirdly shaped taco, but it, it works on my shirt. Which is making me hungry, so <laughs> right. it, it goes both ways. In your book, you not only talk about formative assessment, but you talk about a bunch of other topics like student blogging and um, student self-assessment audio tools, video tools. I mean, you, you run the gamut. So um, I love how many categories you have within the book. The other piece too, is that you provide some other additional resources in the book. So I was wondering if you wouldn't mind sharing the video aspect also. Yeah. So my, my thought was, okay, if I want half this book to make them feel comfortable and confident in the idea of using new technologies because it's they're overwhelmed, the educators are. Yep. So I, that's what I wanted to do first. And I do that in every chapter. And then second, I wanted them to think goal first about what technologies. And then I wanted to use the book to identify the technologies that are right for them. So you mentioned, for example, audio tools. Yep. So in that section, I say, okay, if you want to hear from your students with audio, here's four tools that can just have them recording. And here 
here's four tools that are going to have them recording and editing. And so then the listener, the reader is going to hopefully go, okay, well, I don't need them to edit a podcast. I just need them to record their voice. Okay. So I look at these four tools. Okay. This, he says here, you know, so each one has like a, maybe a paragraph description, maybe two paragraphs. He says this one only works in Google Chrome. Well, I'm an iPad school or this one is paid. Okay. Well, I don't want a paid tool. Right. And then by the time they're done reading, they know which one to learn, but now they need to learn it. Right. So then I wanted to also provide that to them. So I have what's called an online resource hub where the readers then have access to that website. They go to that website and I've curated some tutorials for them there so that they could then learn how to use whatever tool it is they've selected. And I know that those those resources are already out there. Those videos and things like that are already out there on YouTube. But if you go to YouTube and Google search Flipgrid or Moat or Pear Deck or whatever it might be, you're going to hit hit like a barrage of videos, right? You're going to hit hundreds of videos there. And some of them are old, some of them are out of date. Some of them are using the wrong kind of platform. So I went and curated like, this is a video I trust. I've watched the video. It's a good video. Here it is for you. Uh, and then put them there so you can learn from them. But the other reason I did that online resource hub was things are going to change, right? Already there, there's one tool in the book. This was my first change. It happened like a, like a week after the book was published. Uh, a tool that I mentioned in the book just announced that they're shutting down next year. Oh, no. There's still a year left, but I've got like a, like, a, like three quarters of a page dedicated to this one tech tool and they're, they're shutting it down. Yeah. Right. So I wanted to also have that website so that I could say like, yep, this tool is mentioned in here. It's shut down. But then also this tool is mentioned in here. And I say that it does these five things. Well, guess what? It also does this sixth thing now. Right. Cause, cause I can't go in and change their book. So I provide that on the website. And then also I mentioned these six tools, but now there's this one that I think you should consider. It just came up since the book came out. So I provide that space for them. But then the other thing I'm really excited about on those pages is that you, the users can comment, they can post their own things. So they might say, Hey, I found this video to be really helpful to learn from, right? And post that there or ask a question or say, hey, I love this tool. I'm using it this way, right? And then provide that, that place for them to talk there and provide that, that community building piece kind of on the back end of the book. I'm really excited to see what happens in there. It's a little bit too early to see it, but I think, I think as soon as the, the duct tapers, the listen to the podcast, get on there, we're gonna see some cool things happening in there. Oh, for sure. And what, a, what an amazing idea. Because, like you said, technology is changing constantly, and so yeah. um, as as it's evergreen content with your stories and your inspirational messages in there, you've also have this other piece that is interactive with your readers and your listeners, and I, I love that aspect of things. Jake, I want to talk about the other component of it because yes, it's a resource for teachers to find the best tools for lessons, and it's not overwhelming for them, which I love. It breaks it down and, and simplifies it. But then there's also the student component. And I love all of the pieces that you have for like student assessment and um, them being able to create. And why was that so important to have not only just the teacher piece, but then also the, the other half of it, right, is the student piece. Yeah, well, it's so there's two pieces that one, one is in my evolution as an educator. This is year 19 for me in, in education. And at first I used very little technology. Actually, I take that back. I can remember student teaching and playing a video. I was student teaching fifth grade science and we were learning about sound and the speed of sound and the sound barrier. And I played a video on the projector from a computer about uh, Chuck Yeager, who was like the first guy to break the speed of sound barrier, whatever it's called. Yep. I played the video and my cooperating teacher was like, you played a video on the projector. That was amazing, right? And she's like blown away. And she's like pulling people in like, look at what he's doing. <laughs> we're watching a video. But 
early on, my uses of technology were a lot like that, where it was something that I was doing uh, and it was enhancing my lessons. Obviously that, en that enhanced my students' comprehension better than had I not played the video, right? But what, if, what would have truly enhanced their comprehension was if they created some kind of representation of what happens when the sound barrier is broken, right? The, the true power is when the student uses the technology, not the teacher. Early on, I was doing a lot of that stuff where it was how I teach was using technology. And then I realized, okay, great things happen when my students use the technology. So I wanted to talk about that a lot in the book too, but also the other end of that is when I do a professional development, for example, when you do a, a PD, say on Google Classroom, for example, it's great to teach the teachers how to use Google Classroom, but if they don't know what it looks like to the student, they're kind of hamstrung and using it effectively. So they need to know what the student version looks like too. So when I do a professional development or a training or a speech or a webinar or whatever it might be, I always show them both aspects of it because that gives them a better understanding of it. And so it was important for me to do that in the book too. So anything that I talk about that's, that's partially teacher use, I talk about what it looks like for the teacher to, or for the student too. And then also because I know that it's so important for the students to use it, I talk about some things that are student focused, like, for example, students recording audio, students recording video, like we talked about earlier. I'm not thinking about that from the teacher end. I'm thinking about it from the student end, because if my students are responding to a question I ask with audio, I'm getting a richer understanding of, of their compre comprehension, right? I know better what they know because I'm hearing them say it, not just seeing them write it. Yeah. So I think, I think the student piece with technology is, is so important. This podcast is a proud member of the Teach Better Podcast Network. Better today, better tomorrow, and the podcast to get you there. You can find out more at teachbetter.com slash podcast. Now let's get back to the episode. With where we stand within the pandemic, obviously we have multiple models of learning going on. Why do you feel like your book is a good resource during this time in education? Well, I think there's there's two parts to that. One is that I know that the teachers are overwhelmed, right? And and so I wanted to I wanted to be a kind of a, a voice of reason to help them through that. Uh, I'm, I'm going to add another reason. I I have this tendency to say there's a certain number of somethings and then add another something while I'm talking. <laughs> it's the bonus piece there, Jake. <laughs> it's a bonus. That's what I do. I said there's two reasons. I should give two and I should go, and if you act now, here's the third reason. <laughs> My second reason is, is that I know that they have gone through a lot of professional development experiment experiences over the last year and a half, whether they were things they were doing on their own, you know, watching YouTube videos or something, their school, uh, put on their shoulders or something that they chose to attend, whatever it might be, they did a lot of learning. And so I wanted to give them a piece that was fun. So the book is really focused on having a fun tone, conversational tone, me telling chili, uh, cheesy jokes, um, rec recurring kind of inside jokes throughout the book, because because I feel like the educators deserve that. And if they're choosing to read a book that's upping their their skill in the classroom and benefiting their students, then let, let's have it be fun for them, right? So I wanted it to be fun for them. But then the other piece too is to take you know, they, during the, during the pandemic, especially at the beginning, realized that they needed to do a certain set of things right away, right? They needed to find a way to talk to all of the students at, at once while they were remote. And they went, okay, what do I use? And they were like, Google meet or zoom. Okay. And they picked one and they used it. And they needed a way to find a way to record lessons. What do I use? Okay. You use screencastify or loom or Flipgrid. Okay. And they picked one, they used it. Right. 
And now they're ready for more. Like they, they might need a little break here and they take it slow and to kind of catch their breath, but now they're ready for some new steps. And so I kind of wanted to create that handbook of here's some other tools, you know, pick, pick another goal that you have that maybe has come to light through this experience. And here's a set of tools you could choose from. So my hope was to do both of those things for them, right? Give them that, that, that fun and that, that kind of mindset shift, but also give them, you know, the resources to pick the next tools on their list so they can keep going, keep improving. Yeah. Well, you definitely do that. You did a wonderful job on all of those areas. Plus Thanks. the bonus piece, right? So. <laughs> if you act now. If you act now. So Jake, obviously this podcast is is geared toward leaders. And I know many leaders, just from my own experience, that when they think of technology, it's oh, our technology specialist or tech coach is the person for that. I don't need to have that knowledge. I don't need to possess that. Is that the right mindset? I, I think you're you're setting me up to, you're giving me the serve so I could spike this one here, I think. Question, because I'm, I'm, I've seen it on both ends. I've seen some yeah. where they have all of the technology tools necessary to guide any teacher in any setting. And then I have some folks that I've seen that they think technology is the devil itself. So I'm just curious where you land on that. I think so. So what it takes me to in my mind is my experience as a tech coach, tech integration specialist and the book uh, it's behind me here, instructional coaching by Jim Knight. And in, in the book, Jim Knight talks about how a successful coach, instructional or tech or, you know, literacy coach or math coach, whatever it might be, a successful coach is a collaborator with the educator they work with, right? They know that that educator knows their students better than they do and knows their curriculum better than they do, but they know that they know their, their coaching, you know, specialty, whether it's technology or literacy or math or whatever it might be, they know those things better. So they're both bringing things to the table that benefits each other. Right. But if I go into a classroom and I'm an expert in all these educational technologies and know nothing about say social studies and that social studies teacher knows everything there is about social studies and can't work a computer for the life of them, we're going to struggle, right? I'm going to help them, but it's going to be hard for us to work through this. It's better when I have some level of understanding of what they do and they have some level of understanding of what I do. And then we can kind of meet in the middle. Mm -hmm. And I think it's the same too for a, for a, a leader, whether they are a principal or assistant principal or some other kind of leadership position, if they have some kind of familiarity with the technology and at least their mindset right about the, about the educational technology, then they're good. For example, if the administrator or the leader, whoever it might be, can talk to the teacher and say, okay, I see that this is an area of growth for you that you've identified that you want to move forward on. Let's identify a technology that'll support you with that. Or let's see if there's a technology to support you with that. And then they go over to that technology specialist or that tech director and get that, that advice. Then you've got a team of three people, you know, and a teacher who knows their curriculum and knows their classroom and knows their students, an administrator or a leader who maybe knows where they can grow and what they could do better based on their experience. And then they bring in that third person, that technology expert who knows the technology. And you put all three of those minds together and imagine what you could, what you could do. Yeah. None of them have to be experts at all three things, but by being open to all three things, and having a little bit of knowledge about all three things, then they could really push the ball forward. So I think it really has to be an area where you, you, you know, some of those other things, you don't have to be an expert in them, but you have to know them and see the value in them and have that resource you could reach out to, whether it's a person 
or maybe your district doesn't have that person and you have a certain podcast or a certain book or a certain video or a certain YouTube channel you go to look to or a certain blog you go to, right? To find that expertise once you've identified the need, the goal, you know, whatever you're trying to do. So Jake, you mentioned it. Obviously, you have other additional resources and we talked a little bit about the podcast and I'd love for you to highlight what that project is all about, but then also if there's any other resources that you have that the listeners may be a leader, a teacher, a district administrator, whoever it may be that is looking for some technology tools, what else do you have to offer? So I, I, I am everywhere and I, I write, <laughs> I don't know how I'm keeping up with being everywhere, but I'm on all of those social media places at, at Jake Miller tech. And that's, that's an easy way to where I kind of curate and send out the things that I'm doing. Right. But then, you know, I have my website, jakemiller.net. And and one thing that I've really found I'm leaning on heavily now is my, is my email newsletter, because I've realized that as a, you know, because I'm a full-time teacher and a full-time dad, and I'm doing this, this is, this is job number three, this stuff. Right. So I don't know, like, I'd love to say, I'm going to put out a YouTube video this week. That's going to help people out. I don't know if I'll get to it. Right. I'd love to say my podcast is going to come out every Wednesday. I don't know if I'll get to it. And so the newsletter is my best way to send that stuff out there. Say like, Hey, I got, one, I got one done today right? and send that out. It's ready uh, because you know, it's, it's unpredictable when I'll find times for those. So I send out those newsletters to update everybody on when things are happening. And then one thing I've started doing in the newsletters too, just this, this week uh, I've started adding in some curated stuff from other people because that's something I do a lot of on Twitter that I found really resonates with the educators that, that follow me, or maybe you don't even follow me, but just come across me on Twitter is I find stuff that my teacher brain likes when I see it. And I'm like, well, other people should know about this. And I send it out there and it might relate directly to technology or be uh, an ancillary, you know, relation to technology or maybe a use or an application of technology. But I love number one, spotlighting those people uh, that are doing those things, but also number two, curating that for the busy teachers and putting it out there. So I do a lot of that on Twitter and I'm starting to try to push that to the other social medias and now now package it into my newsletter because I, I want to get that good stuff to everybody wherever I can find them, right? And that's why I'm so in so many different places is I, I want to find the teachers because I know the teachers aren't in all those places. They're in some of those places. So I got to find them. Well, I love all of the content that you're pushing out, man. I know you did YouTube, the podcast, and the newsletter, and I'm a subscriber of all of those things, everything I can get Thanks. from Jake Miller. Um, <laughs> and so for those, you touched on it. I know you're on Twitter, but I know you are you have other social media outlets there. So if someone wants to connect with you, how may they do that? I, I have been able to be at Jake Miller Tech on everything. So I'm Jake Miller Tech on Facebook and Twitter and TikTok and Instagram and Pinterest even. I'm all, Jake Miller Tech on all of them. And then my website is jakemiller.net. I should have been Jake Miller Tech on there too. That was, I really dropped the ball on that one. <laughs> that's right. You're still shooting like you know 90%. So that's, that's pretty good. Yeah. Full, full disclosure. I think I have jakemillertech.com and it redirects to jakemiller.net. Oh, so I, I, guess, I guess I'm getting it then. <laughs> <laughs> you're doing better than you even thought right <laughs> so make sure that you're connecting with jake he is phenomenal he's one of my favorite people just as a human being let alone a tech specialist he's phenomenal so i'm going to put all those in the show notes for you make sure that you're connected with him subscribe to his newsletter you will not be disappointed there's a lot of content and value in in each one of those pieces jake i'm so excited about your book and i just am so appreciative of your time on the aspire podcast 
Oh, Joshua, thank you so much. And thanks for the work you do. You do such great stuff for educators. And I, I know it's much appreciated. I know I appreciate it.